Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Just understand this. You believe in yourself and you trust in everybody else in this room, you got a chance. I promise you that. And that that doesn't tell you what you can do, it doesn't tell you what you're capable of, and you ain't paying attention. Okay? Understand. What a day it was, the seventh Sunday of the regular season. I say good morning to Miles Simmons. Before I say anything, though, let me exercise one quick prerogative here. I couldn't help but wonder when Ron Rivera was giving his speech to the locker room after the Washington Commanders defeated the Green Bay Packers. Trust in everyone in this room. Everyone in this room. Dan Snyder's not in this room, right? Okay, trust in everyone in this room. Trust in everyone in this room. As long as Dan Snyder's not in this room. Trusting everyone in this room. I know. Low bluff. PFT uh-huh. Live. Presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Here we are on Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland and anywhere else served by Sky Sports NFL. Welcome to the podcast listeners who are not listening live, but they feel like they are, so I won't knock down that fourth wall. Hello, Miles Simmons. How are you today? I am doing great, Mike, because I've got good news. The Broncos are not playing in primetime tonight, and I'm not going. So we won't have that horrendous thing that we had last week, unless we do, because the Bears are playing the Patriots, and I have very little faith that uh, that offense is going to be able to do much of anything against a Bill Belichick New England defense. I've noticed a trend not just for us, because here we are talking about Monday Night Football right out of the gates like we did last week. I have noticed a trend, though, Mm -hmm. where some of the Thursday night games have a team that gets all the way until the following Monday off. I don't know whether that's some implicit acknowledgement that it's probably not a good idea to have guys playing four days after they play on a Sunday. So let's give one of these two teams an extra day. On the back end, you can't give it to both of them because then they'd both be playing again. But I've just noticed that the Bears got it. The Broncos got it. The Ravens are getting it coming up. They play on Thursday night and then the following Monday. So I look, these are issues to be solved, I guess, in the offseason, if ever. But the issue of rest, turn it around, going to continue to hover, especially for 45-year-old quarterbacks who will be playing on Thursday night and that makes this Thursday night game fascinating we get to watch both of the guys who may have stayed around too long by one year in prime time this week Tom Brady Thursday night 
Aaron Rodgers Sunday night. Both are in tough situations. Let's start with what happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and they've had quite a week from last Sunday to this Sunday. Last Sunday, Whoa. they became the team to suffer the biggest upset so far in the 2022 season. Nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the closing line, lost straight up to the Steelers. But no, the Buccaneers outdid it one week later. 13-point <laughs> favorites on the closing line to the Carolina Panthers, and the Panthers won by 18, 21-3. Only the fifth time in his career Tom Brady was held to three points or fewer. And the last time he was under 500 this deep into a season was literally 20 years ago. The year after the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl, they didn't get back to the playoffs, and they were around 500, and they were below 500 through seven weeks. That's how long it's been. And the Patriots in 2002 lost four in a row to go to three and four. These Buccaneers have lost four out of five, and but for that horrendous call of roughing the passer on Grady Jarrett from a couple of weeks ago, they may have lost five in a row at this point. Miles? Yeah, these Bucks stink, man. I mean, I, there's no other way to put it. I mean, they stink on ice right now. And when you're losing a game like they lost it to the Carolina Panthers, a game against a team that's effectively playing a third-string quarterback, just traded one of its best, if not its best, offensive player all the way across the country to the San Francisco 49ers, traded another one of its top receivers earlier in that week. I mean, as an interim coach, what in the world is going on there? This is an ugly, ugly situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, I mean, they've got to get it corrected and corrected very quickly. But I I don't know what else to say other than they stink right now. It's bad, Mike. It's really bad. And and it's amazing because they were 2-0. and And they beat the Cowboys with Dak Prescott for most of the game. Yeah. The running game is what's really betrayed them. I was looking at the game-by-game mm-hmm. game numbers for Leonard Fournette. He had over 100 week one in a victory. He was okay week two. He's had some bad performances, and he was under 20 yards yesterday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a factor. And just like offense and defense are hand-in-glove, and we get so caught up in specific stats intended for one unit or the other, the amount of pressure a bad defense puts on an offense is underrated. The amount of pressure a bad Mm. offense puts on a defense is underrated. And the pressure a bad running game puts on a passing game. Because uh, let's just think about it. And Jason Garrett was explaining this last night on a video that we did in the third quarter of the Sunday night game. We'll talk about the Sunday night game at some point. But inconsequential to where things currently are big picture in the NFL. We'll get to it. A lot of times we get right out of the gates with Sunday Night Football. We'll get to it. But the comment he made was, you know, that running game. And it's very simple when you think about it. We get caught up in numbers and stats and analytics. If you have a running game that is gashing the defense and they fall into the what in the hell is going on mindset and you got to Okay, we just got steamrolled for seven yards. Here, let's go do it again. Oh, there goes another 10. Oh, we got to do it again. You know, you eventually skew toward trying to stop that from happening. And that's when you're ripe for play action pass. That's when you're ripe to get burned on a go route because a safety is coming up close to the line of scrimmage to try to keep that damage from continuing against the run now that's an extreme example but that's what happens if a team is running well it's inevitable that at the right moment you are going to sting them with a pass and so if the Buccaneers can't run it makes it even harder for Tom Brady to get his side of the ball going miles well right and I think that you don't want a 45 year old to be out there throwing it nearly 50 times a game Right. I mean, it sort of worked last year where Tom Brady's setting records for completions and all these different types of things. He's got so many attempts and he's leading the league and all that. But that's not what you want to do. That's not sustainable. We all know it's not sustainable. And obviously the interior of that offensive line has been an issue for them. I mean, it's a protection issue, but also it comes to running the ball. Right. And if you can't run the ball 
And it's just like you said, you don't have that threat of the run game. It makes everything that much harder. And as good as Brady is, and as good as his arm still is, you start to see sort of the dents in the armor, right? It's not the same as it used to be. Nothing is really smooth. Even when Tom Brady's getting a couple of completions to Mike Evans, it's like they get down the field to a certain point, and all of a sudden, it's just like, ah, ah, things just don't work anymore, and everything's so disjointed. You just... You don't have any sort of sense of smoothness or rhythm or timing and all these different things. It just doesn't look right. So when Tom Brady's 32, 49 for 290, he's getting 5.9 yards per attempt. That's so much lower than it was last year, Mike. I mean, it was 7.4 yards per attempt last year, right? 7.6 in 2020 when they won the Super Bowl. So nothing right now is working. And I think it does stem from the fact that they don't even have the semblance of a threat of a run game. And that really, really affects everything else. And it's funny, you and I were thinking of the exact same stat. I'm looking at the yards per attempt for Brady's entire career. Several years back, Kevin Gilbride, when he was part of our afternoon show, we were having a discussion before the show and the topic came up of what stats coaches find significant and he said Hmm. yards per attempt yards per attempt tell you whether or not an offense is truly working and at the time anything above seven was good we've now evolved to the point where it's more like eight for it to be really really effective I'm looking at Brady here 6.6 so far this year and yesterday was bad because it was 280 yards or so on 49 passes which works out to not good but you're right last year 7-4 the year before that 7-6 when you look at the years of his career nothing with one exception in the years since 2004 are in that range of 6-6 I mean all the way back to 2007 their magical year it was 8.3 yards per attempt right the only other time he finished the season 6-6 he's at 6-6 right now was 2019 his last year with the Patriots when he had nothing. He had no help. He's got help this year, though. He's got a great array of receivers. That's what makes this so confounding. It looked like on paper something that was going to work. And, and hey, Miles, we may be having a different conversation. You know, it reminded me of week one, Packers at Vikings, Christian Watson, to borrow a Bruce Arians phrase, wide ass open, ball hits him in the hands, and he drops it. And you go back to that moment and you make that a touchdown and you tie the game at 7-7 and everything changes after that. Well, yesterday, what do we have? Tommy finds Mike Evans, and I guess it's fitting that it's a Bruce Arians line since he's still lurking around there somewhere, wide-ass open, and the ball hits him in the hands and he does the, and I know Miles won't get this reference because the movie came out in the 1980s. This is Robin Williams in The Best of Times where I've got it, I've got it, no, I don't have it. That changes everything. You, you score that touchdown on that opening drive. That's what you're supposed to do against a team that is falling apart and deliberately taking its pieces apart and selling them off. And there's rumors about other guys maybe available. This would have been a romp potentially for the Buccaneers if they could set the tone that way. And Mike Evans himself said after the game that the light went off for them after that and they couldn't get Ooh. it back. Now, I'm stunned by that that you don't have the leadership on your team to put that behind you. You've got to put that behind you. But, Miles, that was a great throw by Tom Brady. We'd be having maybe a different conversation today. We wouldn't be talking about the Buccaneers right out of the gates. They would have done what they were supposed to do, steamroll the Panthers, and they'd be a mention somewhere an hour or two. Instead, that happens. The Buccaneers don't score a point the entire first half. It's 7 nothing. Steve Wilkes told me yesterday that the support staff put signs up all over the locker room, finish, 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 to encourage the Panthers to keep going when they had the Bucs on the ropes. And you go back to that moment, and that's the other thing Wilkes said to me. When mm-hmm. Mike Ryan, Mike Ryan, Mike Evans drops, I'm thinking of our sports medicine analyst, Mike Evans drops that ball. Uh, he, Steve Wilkes says football gods are on our side today. And that's, that's a real dynamic. In football, you get a play like that, that that goes your way and doesn't go the other team's way. That can be the first piece in a puzzle that works out in your favor. Well, it's funny because I think Sim says something like this, too. But you, you always talk about in football, don't let a team beat us twice. You know, and last week, 
the pa- the Patriots, man, I did it. The Buccaneers okay. go and then they go play the Steelers and then they have a horrible game, right? They they go and they lose to a team that's got nobody really playing in their secondary. They're missing TJ Watt. They're missing all kinds of stuff, right? And then they lose a really, really bad game. And then you go down to Charlotte and you're playing the Panthers and you have something like that happen really early. And then the mentality might set in of, oh, Lord, here it goes again. You know, uh oh, we're having another game like this. And if Mike Evans is saying the light goes out, like that's exactly what happened. So they let that Steelers loss linger in their mind so much that it came out and it just so happened to basically beat them again. That's not acceptable. This is a championship team from a couple years ago. A lot of those pieces are still there. There's still this Mike Evans is still there. Tom Brady is still there. It is ridiculous to me that a team that should have a sense of real urgency coming into this week just doesn't seem to feel it. I, I don't know what's going on there, but there's some bad, bad stuff. I don't, I really don't like the vibes coming out of Tampa with that team. It, it's just ugly and they've got to fix it. And maybe being on Thursday night football is the best thing for them because it means they got to flush that thing real, real quick. Well, and we're never going to get a straight answer from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the pers- the perspective when you're on the ship that's sinking is very different when you're standing on the shore pointing at the ship that's sinking and saying, that thing's sinking. The ship is sinking. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, and and they can't they, – and they, they feel compelled to tell us something other than the truth. They're not going to come out and lead with – Man, it's just a mess right now. Boy, there's no leadership here. Hey, you know, Tom Brady disappearing for 11 days during training camp, whatever the reason, isn't the way to set the tone going into the season. Tom Brady disappearing on a Friday night, not coming back, and not being here for Saturday morning walkthrough and meeting, that really takes a toll on his authority on the sideline. You know, in the aftermath of him chewing on the offensive lineman last week, everybody said the right thing because what are they going to say? Tom Brady's right. an ass? What are they going to say? <laughs> We've had enough of this guy? What are they going to say? You know what? If he's just partially checked out, he may as well go ahead and check out and we'll try our luck with Blaine Gabbert. They're not going to say that. That doesn't stop them from thinking it. And something's wrong here. Something's clearly wrong, and it traces to Brady not being all in. Like you said last week, I think it was, Miles, the idea that when he issued the statement, when he retired, Mm -hmm. he can't make the full commitment anymore. And he's not making the full commitment anymore, and he doesn't seem to be as engaged. At least break a tablet yesterday. Show us you still give a crap. Do something. There was no video of an animated Tom Brady. He's just accepting. They've worked their way through anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And here we are at seven weeks. And it's only seven weeks. There's 10 games left. That's what's amazing about this. So you're right. They get a chance to flush that thing on Thursday night. Let's hear a little bit from the head coach, Todd Bowles, and from hashtag Tommy himself about what went wrong yesterday in Carolina. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. We're not playing well. You know, we're not playing well as individuals. We're not playing well as a team. We're not coaching it well. Um, all the way around. Not scoring enough on offense. Not stopping them enough on defense. And this is as a result. We have to wear this on our sleeves. they got to be grown men. We're going to see what we're made of, how many people can handle adversity. And this is about as dark as it's going to be right now. I know we talked to her. About execution the other day, and it still comes up. You know, I think we just all have to do our job better. So there's no easy way about it. It's, you know, they're trying to keep us from doing our job. We're trying to do it, and uh, they're doing a better job than we are. It's anytime you score three points, that pretty much sums it up. No one feels good about where we're at. No one feels good about how we played or what we're doing. So we all got to, we're all in it together, man. We got to go pull ourselves out of it. Yeah, and you can say that. But how do you do it? And I couldn't help think back, 
Miles to Bruce Arians when he decided that he was going to step aside for Todd Bowles because he didn't want to wait until next year and give Todd Bowles a mess. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks. Because <laughs> if you get, if next year was a mess, I'd hate to see what this year is supposed to be right? called. And yeah. to, to put a guy in a position where the expectations are ridiculously high with a starting quarterback who was already out and then just decides whether it was pride, whether it was ego, whether it was whatever, I'm unable to to force myself out of the spotlight. I need someone to do it for me, and there's no one who can do it for me, so I'm going to come back and play even though I'm not fully committed. The recipe for disaster. And and they're, they're still three and four. And the NFC is still wide open. And they st- yeah. and this could be this could be the catalyst, Miles, for them to turn it around. Because, you know, God forbid the rest of us point out that the ship is sinking because the guys who are on the sinking ship will now take offense to the observations, fair observations made by those of us on the shore that say, hey, that ship's sinking, and they'll get mad at us for pointing it out. But whatever it takes, we know that game. I just don't know that Tom Brady's got the will to play that game anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, we can say the ship is sinking, and then they're just going to say, fire the cannons at us. But they only fire the cannons when they score touchdowns, and they're not scoring touchdowns, so whatever. I, you know, I, I don't know. Sinking, I, it's, maybe it's sinking because of all the cannonballs that they can't fire. Those cannonballs are heavy. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> they're weighing the ship down somehow. Yeah, it, it's like I said, it's just it's not a good vibe. I don't know what at what point we start looking at Todd Bowles and, you know, Byron Leftwich and being like, guys, what's going on? You know, I mean, it's there's a lot of continuity that is still there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where it's like, you know, I, I don't I don't understand it. And, and I guess a lot of that has to stem from Tom Brady and whether or not he's all in, whether or not he can make the commitment and all these different types of things. And I, I, I agree with sort of that mentality of thinking about it, but at the same time, it's not like Todd Bowles was handed the keys to a Ferrari. I wouldn't say that. I mean, let's call it an Audi S5. You know, that's probably what he was given the keys of the car to. And now the S5 is like, they've curbed the wheel. It's like, we've run over a pile of nails and it's like, dude, what you do to the car? What happened here? And like I said, I don't really think it all falls on Todd Bowles, but there's some stuff there with coaching and like the defense is not as good as it needs to be. So I don't know. It's just like I said, it, it, the the whole vibe right now is just off with the Bucks. It's just off. Well, you got a lot of guys on that team that won their Super Bowl rings. And there's a level of satisfaction that seeps in. And there's mm-hmm. also just that sense of you get to that. What happened yesterday, a microcosm for the season. Yesterday, the drop by Mike Evans early. It's not our mm-hmm. day. Seven weeks in, it's not our mm-hmm. year. Just not our year. At a certain point, you start thinking about how many games we have left. What am I going to do in the offseason? Where am I going to be next year when Tom's not here? Where's the team going to be next year? Will I even want to be part of it? Will they want me to be part of it? Why did I sign that contract extension? Maybe I can get out of here if I start making enough noise like some of these other players have managed to force their way out because of Mike Tomlin's phrase, we want volunteers, not hostages. More and more teams seem to be adopting that. There's just all kinds of thoughts that start to ricochet around in the minds of a player who starts thinking, we're either not going to make the playoffs or we're going to make the playoffs and we're going to get stomped. So why go through that experience? Let's just get through these next 10 games and get the hell out of here and get ready and get ready for whatever the next phase is. I don't know. Thursday night is going to be a test because Thursday night, Miles, is is when your basic raw pride as a football player is put on the line because the nation wasn't watching that debacle yesterday against the Panthers. That wasn't a standalone game. Right. Nobody just like, you know, the right. So. What are the Bucks going to be? Are they going to be like the Broncos? Are, are we going to be reacting to Tom Brady the way we've reacted to Russell Wilson four times so far this year? Tom Brady has benefited from the fact that some of his worst performances this year have happened when no one was watching. Yeah. Everyone's going to be watching. I mean, this is it. This is the ultimate test. And they have, as of right now, three days. 
to turn it around. Three days. They had to travel back from Carolina, fortunately not a cross-country trip. They're home for this game. They got some things working in their favor. But this, this is it, and we'll see how much Brady and these other players truly give a crap at this point. This will, we'll find out. And you got a Ravens team coming in that's starting to find their groove a little bit, and they're feeling good about themselves. It's going to be a hell of a game. Right. I'm telling you, Thursday night football, for a variety of reasons, fascinating to watch because it, it could be not the beginning of the end, the middle of the end, or the ending of the end for the Brady Buccaneers. Well, right, but they are still in first place in the NFC South. you know, And I feel like that's still kind of important to note. Because who knows what's really going to happen with the Falcons. I thought the Falcons would look a lot better than they did yesterday against the Cincinnati Bengals based on the way they've been playing. And they didn't. They came out and they really peed down their leg yesterday. So it's not like the NFC South is all of a sudden completely up for grabs if the Buccaneers just right the ship. I mean, there are definitely ways that they can right the ship. They still have Tom Brady. They still have all that experience. They still have good coaches. They've still got good players. So things are not completely over there. It's just, like I said, the vibe doesn't feel right. The the way you're looking at guys and the body language that they have on the sidelines, it doesn't look great. I mean, the fact that Mike Evans said the light went off, that really doesn't feel great. But again, they still should be the favorites, at least in my mind, to win that division. And whether or not that means that they go far into the postseason, who knows? But they should at least get themselves right in some way over the course of the next few weeks. And I don't know if that get right game, you know, proverbially is going to come against the Baltimore Ravens team. But at the same time, there you have those 10 days after you play them to sort of figure some things out within yourself. And I, I really think that the Buccaneers have to do that. And I, I feel like, and I guess this is just a legend of Tom Brady, that they will, even though right now they just kind of stink. And you're right. Look, it would be premature to bury them at this point. It's stunning they are where they are, but it doesn't right. mean it's over. The division is theirs yeah. for the taking, although now you got to worry about the Panthers, who <laughs> – who were significantly better than you yesterday. Well, I don't know. At least for yesterday you do. I don't know. They, they, they're, who knows? Who, who the hell knows? And that's the best part about I guess. Yeah. As a fan, who the hell knows what's going on? It, <laughs> it, it, it makes it more compelling week in and week out. We'll find out one page at a time, one chapter at a time, where this book is going to end. And maybe the Buccaneers still can turn it around. Maybe the Packers, who we're about to talk about in a few minutes, will find a way to turn it around. For now, though, for one day, the Panthers turned it around. We thought they were tanking. I mean, they trade Christian McCaffrey away. And as of yesterday morning, the Sunday splash report from Shefty, oh, they won't trade DJ Moore, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, or J.C. Horn. Those four players aren't untradeable. Sims and I will discuss later in the week the players that currently are truly untradeable. There aren't many at any given time. Any of those four players, there's an offer that can be made that would get the Panthers to say yes. They are not untouchable. That's just put out there so other teams who think it's fire sale time and we're going to get these players for peanuts – realize that's not the case you want them you got to give us significant trade assets because right you know they're just kind of sinking slowly into the hot bath of tanking well enter steve wilkes who had something to say about that yesterday here he is on overcoming the adversity that was built in by the fact that they traded away one of their best players last thursday to the 49ers extremely proud um, of the men in that locker room Uh, i just told them that they continue to impress me uh, by the way they just overcome adversity and circle the wagons and come together. And uh, that definitely wasn't a team out there today was trying to tank it. No, and see, this is the way Tank Club works. First rule of Tank Club is you never talk about Tank Club. Second mm-hmm. rule of Tank Club is you never let anyone know who's actually out there doing the tanking that they're supposed to lose. You deliberately put people in a position to compete knowing that there's a pretty good chance nature is going to take its course and it's just not going to work. Well, Mm -hmm. Steve Wilkes, who – and we said this two weeks ago when Matt Rule got fired. 
mean, Steve Wilkes already has a bad permanent record from being stuck with whatever that year was in 2018 with Arizona when it looked like they weren't trying to win, when the GM was suspended Mm -hmm. and – you know, the head coach is already operating with one arm tied behind his back, and it's just a mess for everybody. And then he gets rewarded for sticking it out by getting fired for a, a mediocre college football coach. And let's call it what it is. That's what Cliff Kingsbury was. It was so stunning that multiple teams wanted this guy yes. who was a mediocre college football coach. And who now got Steve fired. Is, yeah, That's who te- got, fired got fired by Texas Tech. Yeah. By Texas Tech. And was the – and was the offensive coordinator at USC for five minutes and then fell up into the Arizona Cardinals job. Yeah. And got extended through 2027. But well, I mean, at least he won we'll this see. week. Sorry. Go we'll continue see. with your we'll, point, Mike. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah. But yeah and, and, and maybe it won't go well. But the point is, Steve Wilkes doesn't want to hear any of that crap. Steve Wilkes yeah. is coaching a football team. And I asked him yesterday. We, I, he, he was awesome after the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I asked him, do, what do you have to do to get this job? Incredible was the word from David Tepper. What's it take? Do you got to finish above 500? Do you got to get the playoffs? He's like, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about one game at a time, one week at a time. We got three straight divisional opponents. We've already beaten one of them. I've told my players we can do this. And the thing on Christian McCaffrey, I said this last night on Football Night in America, because one of the challenges of Sunday afternoon, and this is the ultimate first world problem, when you talk to a head coach and he says a lot of great stuff, you got to figure out the best stuff to wedge into the time that you have to talk about it. And the one thing yeah. that really stood out to me when I looked back at, at the notes and the transcript, my son does a great job of turning around and typing it up for me so I can make these decisions in real time of what I want to share with everyone. I'll get to the point at some point. But uh, with Christian McCaffrey gone, it didn't bother Steve Wilkes. I mean, yes, you don't want to say goodbye to one of your best players, but he knew what they had and Deontay Foreman and Shuba Hubbard. Even though Foreman had six carries in six games, Hubbard had six carries in six games, Wilkes is there to see them in practice, to see them in the preseason, to know who they are as men, to know whether or not they can be trusted to step up. So it could be a situation where ownership's like, well, you know, we got to do what's in the best interest of the team, understanding that this is just a natural way to sink to the bottom of the standings and rise to the top of the draft order because with that first overall pick in the draft, you can attract any coach you want. You can pick your quarterback coming through the door, Sean Payton, whatever you want to do. Wilkes knows I can trust Foreman and Hubbard to get it done, and that's what he told me. I I knew they'd step up. And then P.J. Walker. Hey, other thing Wilkes said, he's not closing the door on Walker keeping the job even when Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are healthy. Uh, P.J. Walker was phenomenal yesterday. So I, I, I love something unexpected like this. This was completely unexpected, and it does put the Panthers back in play, even if it's just for a week. We'll see what they do against the Falcons. It's all irrelevant if they get blown off the field by the Falcons. But the Falcons are on notice. It's not a cream puff game next week, Miles. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you talk about P.J. Walker, and I love this stat that we've got here on our on our sheet. But over the last 48 games, the Panthers are 3-1 and one when P.J. Walker starts and 9-35 and 35 with everybody else. So, hey, man, you know, you talk about QB wins. It's something that P.J. Walker's done. He's helped lead them to win. So I, I don't know if I would go with phenomenal uh, for my assessment of P.J. Walker yesterday. That show, throw we just showed right there. That was a pretty darn good throw, though when it comes to that touchdown pass. Um, But they could do something maybe, I guess, unexpected when you're talking about quarterbacks by sticking with P.J. Walker. I mean, who would you rather have at this point? I mean, you know what Baker Mayfield is. You know what Sam Darnold is. P.J. Walker is at least having you be a little bit more competitive out there, you know? And so instead of these crap, you know, top 10 QBs that Steve Wilkes has always been saddled with, with Josh Rosen in 18, and then Baker Mayfield, obviously now, and Sam Darnold still on that team too in, in Carolina. It, why not go with P.J. Walker? What do you have to lose? This whole debate as to whether or not quarterback wins are a stat, I don't know what I would call them, but the reality is certain quarterbacks can help you win and certain quarterbacks right. can help you lose. And yes. if a quarterback provides a lift, a spark, accountability, leadership, 
Why do you think Tom Brady was yelling at his offensive lineman last week? He explained to Jim Gray in the Let's Go podcast, which may be even more compelling tonight than ever before, given yesterday's performance. But that's his job. That's what the quarterback does. The running back doesn't go over and yell at the offensive lineman. The receiver doesn't do it. The quarterback does it. The quarterback is an extension of the coaching staff. The quarterback Mm -hmm. is basically a coach with credibility because he's wearing the uniform. He's out there on the field side by side. So he has a level of authority over and above a normal player. And what he does or doesn't do with it is relevant to the cause. Is it on him and the rest of the team sucks? The Archie Manning dynamic? I get that. There's a certain point where there's nothing you can do to make the guys around you better. But in some circumstances, that quarterback can take a team that was destined to lose and make it a winner or a team that was good enough to win and allow it to become a loser. And yesterday, Mm -hmm. P.J. Walker elevated with the help of Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, offensive line, defense, total team effort. We lose sight of the fact that football is a total team sport with 22 players regularly contributing in both major phases of the game. Oh, and special Mm. teams. So many things affect a win and a loss. So, yeah, I – I just, I I love, people say, what do you root for? I root for a good story. And let me tell you, it's a good story when the top dog is unexpectedly struggling, and it's a good story when the underdog is finding a way to show some bite, Miles. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. And that's kind of what we're dealing with right now um, with these Panthers. I I think that next game between the Falcons and the Panthers is going to tell us a lot. I mean, a a divisional game where you have a Falcons team that's coming off a real bad loss. And that that team has developed some good vibes under Arthur Smith with what they've been able to do. I keep using the word vibes today. I don't know what that's about. But they're, they're doing some good things there. And if the Panthers can go and then defeat them, then we're kind of talking about something that's a little bit more interesting. So we'll see what happens over the course of the next week. That The quarterback decision there is going to be pretty fascinating too. Now, from Thursday night when we get to see Tom Brady in all his glory or mm-hmm. lack thereof, prime time, Sunday night we get to see Aaron Rodgers taking on Josh Allen. And, you know, it's it, we get this intersection of quarterback generations, Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady, Josh yeah. Allen versus Aaron Rodgers. We had gone through a period of years where there were great young quarterbacks and great old quarterbacks, the golden age of quarterbacks. The golden age is ending because the older guys, glue factory time, Miles, to borrow one of your lines. <laughs> and and there's a, there's, there is a line now. It's not just Matt Ryan. There is a line building at the glue factory for these older quarterbacks who just need to move on. I think of the moment where Michael Scott closes the door on either Dunder or Mifflin, one of the founders of the company. I mean, it's time to close the door on some of these older quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers is next. They've lost three in a row to drop to three and four. First time they have a losing record after seven weeks since 2006, not quite as long as Tom Brady, but long enough back to the yeah. latter stages of the Brett Favre. Is he really all kind of like what we're going with Tom Brady? Is he really all in? Does he really want to be here? What's really yeah. going on with this team? That's how long it's been since the Packers have struggled like this. And for Matt LaFleur, just to show you how great he's been 13 and 3, 2019, 13 and 3, 2020, 13 and 4, 2021, 3 and 4. The record this year, I think, just makes what he did his first three years even more impressive. You're not going yeah. to be 13 and three every year or 13 and four now that there's 17 games. But Miles, yes, and it felt yesterday like it was going to be a romp. It felt like it was going to be an easy win. It just felt like, you know, they had a, a pick six. And then they had another one that was called back. It was either a fumble recovery for a touchdown or something like that. There was a, a defensive holding penalty that wiped it off the board. Matt LaFleur was as pissed as I've ever seen him because he just is kind of flatlined and with his personality, which is good. you got to be even keeled. But right. it just was systematic. With, with the Bucks, lightning struck early, and they just kind of gave up. With the Packers, they built their lead, and the commanders started to chip away, and mm-hmm. they couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop him, and they didn't give up. There was never a sense they gave up. 
See, with the Bucs, it feels like they gave up. With the Packers, it feels like they're just not good enough. Yeah, I, I think that that's actually a really good assessment. And, you know, when you see that fourth quarter touchdown that Aaron Rodgers had to Aaron Jones on the left sideline, I mean, that to me showed his trust with that particular guy, right? And, and it just doesn't look like it's easy like it used to be. I mean, look at how good this play is. But that's the kind of thing that we're used to seeing with Aaron Rodgers because he has the trust built up with the receivers. He's got the trust built up with that particular guy, but the rest of the dudes on the field, he didn't have that trust, it feels like, you know? I mean, Sammy Watkins made a couple of plays, but Sammy Watkins is a veteran, right? And maybe it goes back to the stuff that Tom Brady seems to like when it comes to playing with veteran guys, guys who know how to be out there on the field and get to a certain place and, you know, how you can build that trust up quicker than you can with rookies. But it just, it seems like nothing is coming easy for the Green Bay Packers. And that's the kind of thing that we're used to seeing when we have Aaron Rodgers, when we have Matt LaFleur. I mean, especially with Devontae Adams, obviously he's not there. You take away that big, big, big element of that offense and you can see now nothing is easy because there's nowhere the offense flows through. That was the thing about Devontae Adams. Even though you have Aaron Rodgers, the offense flows through Devontae Adams and him being on the field makes everything easier for everybody else. They don't have that elite guy as a skill player anymore and it just makes things more difficult for Aaron Rodgers on every single snap. It's funny. I'm a bad influence on many people, and my influence is now extended to Coach Dungy, of all people. After 13 <laughs> years, I've worn him down. Humble but brag. we were talking about this last night. I don't know. Am I bragging that I've corrupted one of the nicest guys yes. in the history yes. of professional yes, football? Is that a brag? You are. Or, yes, or that is. Or is that a sad commentary on who I am? But what I was saying both. last night was Aaron Rodgers, it can be both, I guess. Aaron Rodgers has only himself to blame because they've had this tremendous turnover in the receiver position. They've lost Devontae Adams. This all came up because they asked me who's to blame. I said, who's to blame is the front office for not putting a competitive offer on the table late in the 2021 season to get Devontae Adams to take it so it never gets to the point where Devontae Adams leaves. And you've got all these new receivers, and Aaron Rodgers is checked out for the offseason program, and he doesn't go work out with them on his own time. And you've got all these new guys that are trying to figure out whether or not they can win the trust of Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers being stingy with his opportunities for them to win his trust. It makes no sense. And that's when mm-hmm. Coach Dungy had the light go off and he said, you know, we had a time like this, and I'm paraphrasing, in Indianapolis where we had big turnover with our receivers. And every weekend, Peyton Manning got in his car and drove to Columbus to throw with Anthony Gonzalez, who was on his way in as – a new player. Because remember, they had those weird rules where players at schools that didn't finish their exams yes. yet couldn't be involved in the workouts. Yes. And probably what Peyton was doing was a violation of the rules now that I sit here and think about it. But he was getting in his car and physically driving to Columbus so he could work out with one of his new receivers. That's what you do if you are determined to get to the point where when it's time to play the games, everything is going to be working. That's been the big disconnect, I think, mentally for Aaron Rodgers. That's where the ayahuasca didn't do its job. (laughs) Here he is from yesterday, continuing the ship metaphor for today on whether or not the Packers are, or or, easy for him to say, will be able to right the ship. Goddamn right it does. I'm I'm not worried about this squad. In fact, this might be the best thing for us. Uh, this week, you know, nobody's going to give us a chance. Going to Buffalo and Sunday night football, the chance to get exposed, shoot, might be the best thing for us. Yeah, yeah, until the final score is 45 to 3. Was he doing a little Heisenberg there? A little Walter I was going to say, yeah. You're goddamn right, baby. I am. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah, harder to sell. I'm, he needs he needs the Heisenberg hat, not that not the Heisenberg robe. He's still wearing that <laughs> robe. I don't know. I don't. I still don't know what the game is there. I don't know what the it's message a is. It's a robe. It is a robe. Look, that's a robe. <laughs> Boom. Thank you, Courtney. It's, it's a, a robe. It's called Look a cardigan. Look how long it is. 
It's a long cardigan. Hey, I don't hey, know. Listen, I'm not make, listen. I don't make the rules. I spent many a year eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and having a bowl of tomato soup when Mr. Rogers came through his door and he got in his closet for his slippers and his cardigan. I ain't never seen Mr. Rogers in a cardigan like that. That's not a cardigan. All right. Um, you know, and this is just the things we say to ourselves to delude ourselves. Hey, this is great. We suck right now. So let's go play in prime time against the most efficient, dominant machine in football because that'll be good for us. Are you kidding me? And I've done it two straight weeks. I'm not going to make it a trifecta. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to pick the Packers when everybody else on Football Night in America picks the Bills. I'm not doing it. Hey, hey, if, we, if we're going to walk into this one, and, and, you know, the Packers' Twitter account's going to be able to show the next day. Hey, they all pick the Bills like idiots. Well, what idiot would pick the Packers at this point after what we've seen? And I know anything can happen. I know any given Sunday. I understand. You got the Bills with two weeks to get ready. And mm-hmm. this is an opportunity. And it occurred to me last night, Miles. This is one of those changing the guard statement games. This is Michael yeah. Scott slamming the door in Robert Dunder's face. This is Josh Allen taking over and pushing – Aaron Rodgers on a floating sheet of ice out into the great beyond. That's what this is going to be on Sunday night. And maybe I'm completely misreading it. I don't care. I'm not going to be wrong. I'm not putting my faith for the third straight week in the underdog, not on Sunday night, because this is the moment for the Bills to flex their muscles to the entire football world. Look, the Packers offense right now is broken. And like I said, I mean, it, it has no elite playmaker, right, that the offense flows through. But the stat to me that tells the biggest story is the fact that the Packers were 0 of 6 on third down. How does a team with Aaron Rodgers and the scheme of Matt LaFleur not have a third down conversion against the Washington Commanders, Commanders, Commanders defense? I I don't really understand that. How is that possible? What's going on? So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers can talk about, oh, my gosh, well, this is the best thing for us. And, you know, he's sending a message to his team by being on the podium. And I understand that. Quarterbacks do it. Coaches do it. It's one of those things that happens. But right now, a team can't even convert a third down. And you're going to tell me that they're going to go to Buffalo where those people are nuts. And they're going to be fired up as all get out. And they're going to beat the Bills? I don't think so. You know what? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Let's flip it around and give a little love to Matthew Barry's favorite team, the Washington Commanders. As dysfunctional a week as you could imagine. Go all the way back to Thursday night. They get the win somehow over the Bears. Ron Rivera does the Denny Green-style profanity-laced walk-off at the press conference. And then we find out Carson Wentz has a broken ring finger on his throwing hand, and he's going to be out for a while. So enter Taylor Heineke, I was saying, just go see what the John Belushi lookalike Sam Howell can do because he's the future, not Taylor Heineke. But, hey, good thing they don't listen to me. As dysfunctional as they are, they have yet to become so dysfunctional that they would actually listen to me. And then you've got the Jim Ursay, repeated body slams and pile drivers publicly of Daniel Snyder all week long. The dominant storyline about how Snyder's getting pushed out. Players talking about it, being asked about what a distraction is. Terry McLaurin saying it is a distraction. Ron Rivera saying, well, we hope they just don't think about it and focus on what they need to do. And then before the game, the dysfunction rears its ugly head again with the hail to the racist slur name that was abandoned for that reason, not because they thought it would be more marketable to have a different name. Defiance, the same kind of defiance from Tanya Snyder that we're used to seeing from Daniel Snyder. And maybe there's some clumsy effort here to curry favor with the fans. We're going to stick it to the man by using the R word whenever we feel like it. So just odd, odd, odd. And then they, (laughs) and then they win the game. That's what's amazing. So kudos to Ron Rivera, Taylor Heineke and company, because it's still the Packers. They still beat the Packers. And I suspect the cheeseheads took over that stadium yesterday and uh, it looks like there's some fans there. Not just empty seats. Looks like there's some burgundy. Oh, it was uh, alumni day. It was homecoming. But I see yellow there. Right. Not burgundy and yellow. I see Green Bay yellow. But uh, that, it's impressive they pulled that off. It really is. No matter what the Packers are doing by way of struggling, 
they went and they took it with a backup quarterback, and that was impressive. Absolutely. I mean, what's the thing those Giants fans were saying in London a couple of weeks ago about where oh, they can stuff that cheese? Oh, shovey. Yep. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. The, the commanders they got took a lot that of cheese. cheese. Last three weeks, there's a lot of cheese up there. Miles. Yeah, they they should sure probably go to the doctor is. at some point. <laughs> yep. Along with some sauce uh, from last week with the Jets. But look, I mean, the commanders, I love what Taylor Heineke does when he gets out there. You know, he lets go of the ball pretty soon a lot of the time. And there were a couple of critical third downs that he made late in that game, especially to Terry McLaurin, who is one of the elite receivers in the game, I think. But right now, you see what they can do when things are on time and on target. And that's tough. I mean, look at this throw right here from Heineke. Look at this catch. McLaurin does such a great job of coming back to the football in order to get that third down. If they don't get that pass right there, then the the Packers have a really good shot of going down the field and getting in position to win. So I give Taylor Heineke a lot of credit for being the kind of passer that can help them win, right? You don't always see that from backup quarterbacks, but that experience he gained last year was obviously pretty valuable. I did not realize that they had kind of a Stanford band play at the end of the game that almost, not yeah. almost, but it, it was more interesting than I thought because I was talking to Wilkes at the time. My son was texting me, oh, my God, this Packers final play. So who knows? Yeah. We, we, may have had, we may have had something else to lead the show with if that had worked. But if you're the Packers, sure. you don't want it to come down to that hope against a team that you should easily have beaten. They should have easily mm-hmm. beaten the commanders yesterday. And uh, – The Packers are reeling, and I don't think it's going to get any better. And I say it fully aware of the possibility that the Packers will pull off what would be an upset on par with what the Panthers did yesterday. So we know it's not impossible. But this Packers will be shoving that cheese up your, you know. (laughs) Well, they'll they'll be they'll be shoving some buffalo wings somewhere if they can pull that (laughs) off. Uh, The two New York teams responsible for a double dose of cheese going into places where cheese ordinarily should not be inserted continue to win football games the Giants and the Jets will talk about what they're doing and how much harder it will get for one of those teams who suffered a key injury yesterday when this Monday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.